Over the course of offering uh, many, many Insight Dialogue retreats, I was um, frankly amazed at what I saw happening in terms of people's uh, uh, experiences, even in, you know, from the simple in very short retreats, people were developing very strong mindfulness and uh, some degree of concentration that was way out of proportion for the time spent. Uh, and in longer retreats, uh, I would frequently, not just from time to time, get comments like, you know, uh, I just did, uh, you know, several months at the Forest Refuge and I had more insights here in a week. Or my concentration got deeper here than in the month long I just did. Stuff like that that really surprised me. Uh, and it, came, it happened a lot. And then on the side of transformations or insights or whatever word you want to use, uh, people were having experiences of uh, quite a deep nature of, uh, of anatta, uh, of deep letting go of both at the, uh, in the, in the aspect of, let's say, psychological formations that had plagued them, social anxiety that was actually being medicated, dropping away, you know, I mean, quite remarkable stuff. Uh, and um, I kept thinking, oh, well, that must have been a special retreat. And then that one must have been, and that one must have been. And at some point I had to say, no, something's going on here that is unusual. And um, there have been some cases where the, the kind of power of the practice uh, created difficulties for people as well. Um, far fewer than I expected, frankly, also. But, uh, you know, sometimes people would, um, not people like, this has happened a lot, but it has happened that several times that people would decompensate, that they'd, you know, sort of uh, lose their orientation and take some time to, to get it back. I'm not aware of any that did not. I am aware of only one that lasted a very long time, but I'm aware of several that were several days of difficulty. And when I first began to develop the practice, uh, it was with a certain amount of fear that that kind of thing would happen a lot because I knew that just from my own experience, the bringing together of the sensitive mind of uh, meditation retreat with anything would be powerful, but to bring it together with relationship was like, seemed like I was not unaware that what I was doing was ridiculous, you know, that it was kind of uh, 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 audacious or uh, perhaps risky. And I kept my eyes wide open and, and my ear keenly to the ground of, you know, is there harm? And I felt enough confidence going forward, I didn't know why I made up reasons or I imputed reasons like, well, um, you know, there's enough calming happening on the retreats that 
the, the kind of the agitations that come up with breakthroughs are being well held. Um, that the quality of love and compassion that naturally arises is holding a lot of these difficulties. Uh, things like this. To this day, there remain a lot of unanswered questions about all of this that I'm speaking of so far. But I did begin to discern what I believed were some useful patterns. And over a period of a few years, that began to coalesce into what I'm going to share with you now, which is the three bases of insight dialogue, the essential ingredients. And the way that those interact with each other and what happens, the synergy that happens when all three are together. And perhaps by understanding this, we can, you know, say, well, this is insight dialogue and this isn't because it misses these elements. Or we can talk about training in all three of these, you know, aspects. Uh, and we can t look at problems on a retreat or in a group or even in a community when one or the other of these bases is not strongly present. And they are, in short, the meditative qualities of the mind, the wisdom base or dhamma, and relationship itself. And I'll say a little bit about, you know, the, F, the, the power, if you will, of each of them separately, and then talk about some of the overlaps and how they synergize, and then maybe we can sense, hopefully from some of our experience that we've had, how they come together. Something that everyone in this room is intimately familiar with is, let's just say, the power, the effectiveness of meditative qualities. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, teachings that we've received and that we offer to others on the power of mindfulness, for example. In addition to in everyday life, in retreat, as mindfulness gets very steady, we see things that we don't usually see. And what we see can free us. It can be painful. The idea of mindfulness-based stress reduction is sort of like the opposite of a mindfulness retreat sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's just true that sometimes we see stuff that's not easy to see, but that's the nature of the game. That's the, you know, part of coming to understanding. And we can say the same thing and probably double it when it comes to concentration. That concentration is a powerful factor by itself and um, uh, is uh, you know, one of the necessary conditions for liberating insight. And it can be scary and if it's not uh, taught with care the development of samadhi can be, uh, I'll say dangerous, uh, and at least we can say difficult, fraught. And you put mindfulness and concentration together, sati and samadhi, you have the classic, you know, insight pair. But then you've got the rest of the factors of awakening. You've got the Dhamma Vijaya. You've got the very, you know, the investigation. You've got the energy. You've got the tranquility, the equanimity, the, the rapture, the joy, and any number of other ways that we talk about meditative qualities. The, the, the point that binds them together in what I'm saying now is that 
by itself, meditation, developing meditative qualities, is a powerful uh, force for freeing the mind. But let's also just say it's, it's strong stuff. That's, that's the point. So, to talk about you develop mindfulness and, and or some, you know, concentration just by itself, something's going to happen. So let's go on from that model to Dhamma, to wisdom teachings. Some teachings are so powerful that even if you're not developing meditative qualities, even if you're not, let's say, um, a, a regular meditator, but you touch the Dhamma and you let it in, you try to really understand it and you don't hold it at arm's length, some teachings will remain outside because without meditation they're difficult to understand, but some teachings will go right through you, right into you and change you. Uh, I know for myself that when I began to really understand not what I had been just taught about Tanha, but when I really investigated it deeply and looked at Bhava and looked at Vibhava, uh, it, it became a framework in my life where I could see them operating. And by seeing them operating, I began to get less hooked by the forces by that, of, of that thirsting. Just from the wisdom teachings, not because I was in retreat or any such thing. And we can say the same, can't we, about a reflection on death or the, you know, really contemplating impermanence deeply without meditation. That's what I'm saying. Just the wisdom itself can change us, change me, change you. And um, so recognizing, if you will, the power of that, the power of wisdom, the power of, and when I say wisdom, what I mean is Buddha Dhamma, early Buddhist teachings. And the third base is relationship itself. Now, whereas the meditative qualities uh, have a, uh, uh, a built-in framework of wholesomeness, they can be misapplied for sure, but they have a built-in framework of wholesomeness and so does the Dhamma. Relationship can definitely go to the bright side or the dark side and the power of relationship manifests in both ways. The power of love and the power of hatred is the easiest thing to say. Where uh, in, a, let's say, a relationship with one other person who really receives me as I am, I am changed by that. And the power of my being with someone who's very hateful and being drawn into that hatred or um, moving against that hatred and hatred against hatred building is a good example of the dark side, if you will. But what's happening there, the basic relational dynamic of amplifying between us our hatred or amplifying between us our compassion and our love. So it's that between. And as it's a larger group, it has a different dynamic, but the same basic reflective process and the uh, background of this is uh, goes back to the origins of our species and the, evo the evolution of the social organism, the brain, the body, the whole hormonal system. And that sensitivity in this amplifying, in this mirroring, without any meditative qualities, without any dhamma, 
is a strong force in everyone's life. Relationship is not optional. Meditation is. So I was looking at what was happening in the, when any of these three bases pairs up with another one. Some of them are classic. The one that would be most familiar to us here is the meditative qualities and the Dhamma. So here we're talking about you know, the role, let's say, of the Dhamma talk on a meditation retreat, for example. Or the role of studying the Dhamma and, its, and, and having that supported by meditative insight and how that can change us. So, uh, we see that together, let's say with the Buddha Dhamma, the wisdom piece, sometimes points the way, gives a practice guidance, um, or sometimes the uh, brightening, the refinement of the mind in meditation gives us a way of understanding the wisdom teachings that we wouldn't have access to otherwise. We can actually get closer to the truth of impermanence, not just read about it or something. We can get closer to the, you know, to the nature of clinging, of upadana, and how that relates, how that's driven by tanha. Things like that become uh, more clear to us. And that's very powerful, those, thing, those two things working together. And we can also look at, let's say, just the wisdom piece and the relationship piece and how they overlap. So here we're talking about the power of spiritual friendship in cultivating some understanding so that, for example, we have, again, skip the meditative qualities. We just have a discussion, a, a true heartfelt discussion, authentic, and, uh, you know, um, we bring our minds to it, we bring our hearts to it, and it could be about, well, superiority conceit, without meditative qualities, or it could be about something like um, aging, illness, death, could be about relinquishment, it could be about intention, could be about right speech itself, could be about meditative qualities, but not meditating. But together, we will discover things that alone we might never um, find. And by being with you in the conversation, um, I get your perspective. I'm not limited, so I have an immediate doubling, if you will, of the intellectual power. I have a doubling of experience, and the more diverse that group, the more breadth I get in unpacking the wisdom teachings from broad perspectives. So relationship plus wisdom is strong stuff, even without meditation. Relationship with meditative qualities is one of the things that I was seeing that gradually, you know, I began to understand something. I don't claim to fully understand, but I began to understand something of why that's such a powerful pair. What's going on? As per your question, why when two people come together does the sati get so strong so quickly? What is that? You know, when you're paying attention and I'm paying attention and just the fact that I'm here means you're not going to wander around so much because it's rude 
or because I'm interesting and you're interesting, or because this is better than something that's out there. But also there's the sheer reflective process of your being aware or practicing mindfulness is reminding me to continue practicing mindfulness. Just by being there, you don't have to say, Greg, are you mindful? Just being there, your body, your mind, your attention says that to me. And mind says it to you. And then between the two of us, that's, that stabilizes. And to my great surprise, an unexpected degree of pasadi and samadhi, of tranquility and calm concentration was evolving um, on these retreats that frankly, I wouldn't say I refused, I resisted even calling it concentration because I had this respect for a traditional understanding of samadhi in silent personal meditation. So I, I didn't want to like pollute my understanding. So years and years I didn't call it that, but it was, it finally got to, you know, it looks like a duck, it quacks like a duck. It must be a duck. And uh, I think it's a duck, you know? Um, I, I, I don't want to, overclaim or overstate because it's only a matter of all of us in the community discovering what this is. But I'm just sharing with you the you know that the steadying of the mind and the the resting that happens on either the contemplation or on the field itself, the relational field itself, or resting with the awareness of the body with another stabilized. And it's not just the reflecting process. There's so much about this that, that nobody understands. I'm one of those people that does not understand. But, you know, there are other factors. You know, the, the aspect of um, uh, kind of the way human beings regulate each other is at work and the uh, safety that can be provided by a listening ear and the joy that comes with that and the calming down with, ah, oh, I'm being seen. So it's not that there's no tanha. <laughs> it's just that the tanha is kind of taking a rest because it's being, got a steady, you know, like IV drip of some being with someone, you know. Um, but then something can begin to let go. So between just the meditative qualities and relationship, there's this power, this amplifying power, accelerating power is why things might happen so quickly in a couple of days of Insight Dialogue Retreat. So now we come to where all three of these meet and synergize. So you have an insight dialogue, this amplifying, accelerating power of relationship, the uh, way it supports and brightens mindfulness, the way it steadies uh, the uh, tranquility, the concentration, the way it um, uh, arouses persistence and energy in practice, consistency of practice. And um, you have now also the brightening of the relational quality itself, meaning the, as the body-mind calms down, there's a kind of a, frequently, I would say, it, it seems to be a natural part of the process that with that calming down, uh, there's a dropping of the barriers in, let's say, the safety and in the intimacy that's not a constructed intimacy and that quality of metta and karuna, the, the Brahma-viharas just naturally manifest as a living experience. So into this field, into this 
human situation that's bright with awareness and stabilized. The seed of the Dhamma is planted and the Dhamma in this case I want to say leaps or migrates or transforms from concept to felt experience. And this transmutation of Dhamma from concept into experience has become one of the hallmarks of the practice that I've noticed at these retreats I teach, in the groups, in the online groups. It doesn't have to be a long retreat because the practice is based on the, this, uh, these three bases that I'm talking about. And I have this feeling that the Dhamma coming alive is one of the real contributions that this makes. I know that it has the uh, possibly obvious, inside dialogue, possibly obvious benefit of integrating retreat practice with life, right? And, and um, providing, let's say, an entryway into Dhamma for people, uh, into, you know, meditation for people, and different things like this. And healing relational wounds and so on. But this piece of the uh, the Dhamma itself coming alive in experience and entering your life as a uh, uh, a fully embodied felt uh, inquiry um, is very beautiful and uh, and I see it happening consistently. Um, so um, this is um, you know a, a basically a three circles of a Venn diagram, right? And um, that's what I was going to draw, but there's really no no need to that. I mean, you get the the idea, right? So this tells us, or tells you know, as I conceptualized it in this diagram, to my surprise, it actually helped me and extended my thinking immediately, like as soon as I did it, which is what a good graphic is supposed to do but usually doesn't because it showed me the places where, let's say, you have the overlap of, for example, um, meditative qualities and wisdom, Dhamma, but without the relational and you say, well, what's going on there? What does the relational bring? And you could ask some questions about that, and it could be productive. Maybe it brings uh, this, um, you know, the power of relationship that I was just talking about, or it brings the warmth, or it brings the aliveness, or it brings the integrative qualities that, you know, that we just suggested. What happens at the intersection of meditative qualities and relationship without the Dhamma. Well, there's plenty of people who are doing work of dyads and being, you know, real focused. Maybe they don't have Vipassana behind it, um, but they're doing some kind of, you know, practice. And without the Dhamma, it can so easily move into something that there's no reason it wouldn't lead to, let's say, relational greed and trance and, you know, uh, pleasure-seeking and uh, 
you know, altered states and so on, because it's powerful. There's no question that it's powerful. But without the Dhamma, where's it going to go? What's the purpose? What's the intention? Um, and if you have the relational qualities and the Dhamma, but not the meditative, uh, you know, you can um, have a really great, let's say, sutta group, but without the meditative aspect, does it get real? You know, can you really just study and not meditate? Study even with the power of studying together. You know, what meditation brings to that. Um, and as I said, that you know, these three bases suggest three areas also to you know, investigate um, what do I need to know or what do I need to develop to understand the practice, to offer the practice? Uh, do I internalize, have I internalized the Dhamma that I'm going to share? Is, am I speaking from truth or am I just trying to convey something kind of like a didactic, you know, like a teacher in a classroom? It's never going to go. To teach inside dialogue, the, the Dhamma has to be, you know, living in your cell. It doesn't have to be, but it's going to be most powerful when the Dhamma lives in your cells. And you, you, know, you share a, a contemplation, not only in language, but in tone of voice and quality of presence that is supported, supporting the meditators to trust and to place their heart on the tip of your words and to go with you into the Dhamma that way. And you could say, well, have I developed the meditative qualities enough to share inside dialogue effectively? Do I, do I feel and understand and experience and live the sati? And of course, when you do, then being with others as you share the practice, you are not only modeling sati, you're, you're effectively transmitting sati. And, um, and in the relational development, you know, am I, is there sensitivity? Is there a sense of the group? Is there a sense of individuals? Is there a living compassion? in how I am with this? And do I understand something about the evolution of the group or something about the challenges, the relational challenges that people might have? Um, and that's something that can be developed over time. So um, that's the framework that uh, I have found helpful and within the community of people sharing practice and reflecting on it, uh, it's been helpful and I offer it to you uh, in the hopes that it will be supportive um, of your understanding as well. So I'd like, I'd li I'd like to actually let that be a basis now, I'd like to just open the space, I'll go draw the graphics so that we can look at it and think about it. Um, and as a matter of fact, let's just hand this out and you can look at your own. It's just like two, two, three pages into this book. There. There you go. So, I'll, like I say, I'll uh, draw some circles up here just to... Um, yes? Yeah, that's, what, that's exactly what I want. That's perfect. Thank you.
So I'm um, curious to hear, so you shared some of the, the benefits that people have related to you from doing the inside dialogue practice. I'm curious to hear if um, you've had related to you some of the impacts on an individual's relationship to Sangha or on particular Sangha communities that, that have as a whole benefited from the practice. Mm -hmm. And maybe just personally, how it's transformed over year, the years, your relationship to refuge. I would love, Phyllis, would you address that? She, she can, she's got a great example. Which one are you Well, I'm just thinking okay. you have a sangha and you've been introducing yeah. it to your sangha. Absolutely. Um, one of the most beautiful things is um, there are, there's a whole, there's so many sanghas now. So there's, um, Greg is thinking about uh, my local sangha, uh, which is quite lovely. Uh, we, we practice, uh, we meet weekly on Wednesday nights, and um, we have insight dialogue in the large sangha once a month. But then there's a subgroup, a Kalyanamitta group, who practices offering the guidelines to each other. And um, then we have, you know, just a like a at least one three-day re local retreat yearly. And what has happened in that community is that people over time really develop a sense of um, a deep and a deeper understanding of the Dhamma. They begin to learn the Dhamma and then embody the Dhamma in their relationships with each other. And uh, so it's it's uh, and it becomes a basis then for investigating other um, like we're doing a lot of uh, racial equity work in our community as well. So it's a basis upon which we then undertake other investigations. Also, I would say the um, teaching community as a sangha is perhaps um, the most vivid experience because most of us have been together for a long time. Um, uh, you know. Singing the people who are teaching inside dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. And. So, and we keep doing things together, and we keep bumping up against each other's personalities, and learning from each other's, um, you, you know, just the difficulties in relationships. And it's incredible how it has supported having the Dhamma at the center as a framework, and then having a practice has allowed us to kind of learn together, to heal together, to uh, engage in the difficult together, to really be with the unpleasant as well as the pleasant over time, to embrace human vulnerability and imperfection, and it allows us to actually step forward and be able to teach with confidence without this feeling of having to be something other than a human being who's awake. And uh, not that we're awake all the time, but having that shared intention really brightens the mind and provides a reference point on an ongoing basis for awakening um, and love, I would say. Thank you. <laughs> I, I think you know the, the real the real <laughs> core of it is that we we have really learned how to love each other, and um, and to befriend. Um, a, to befriend the world and different cultures and uh, to know how limited our views are and to keep learning. 
So what we did at the end of the retreat here, this is, uh, this is our ethic. We, we want to know. Um, we want to learn together. No, um, no shame in being human, as Rosie remembered. That um, we, we want to learn all about the human experience. wondering in the same way, um, I know that Peace and Dan and is it Jonathan again? Uh, James. James. And maybe there's others are at New York Insight where there's Insight Dialogue happening. Are you noticing anything percolating around the practice in your community? seen it's uh, been a really vibrant we have a weekly um, evening of insight dialogue practice and then a monthly evening as well on a different night um, and since the weekly group has been added which I believe is about two years ago um, I've seen a lot of excitement as some people have really uh, shifted that evening to their kind of main sangha. Um, and others I've seen um, kind of excitingly trying to pull others in because they they really feel the depth of the, the practice and the work and are talking about it, you know, um, often and with a lot of, um, with a lot of gratitude for the practice. Um, I think I've, I, I don't know exactly if this this practice, this group shifted that, but I, I definitely have seen a lot more conversation around um, uh, with different people, with like a larger subset of people around Dhamma when it's not, um, you know, brought up by anyone else, um, kind of in, in other spaces with, with um, different members, if that makes sense. And uh, I'm trying to think now. We have a lot of different evenings that are offered and different um, smaller groups. And I'm thinking about how often it is brought into those spaces. Um, Bart uh, Van Melik, who's a trained Insight Dialogue teacher, he, he teaches on a few of those nights and I know has, has um, brought the practice not only on that weekly night but um, in other spaces. So, and I know, um, I know some people, and these day-longs have been offered and um, the work, <laughs> bless you, um, the words that I've heard most often is that it, it was um, <laughs> see, um, surprising um, and uh, I'm trying to think, surprising, uh, something like enjoyable or fun and um, a really different way of practicing. Another uh, piece that I hinted at that kind of falls out of looking at these three bases together um, you know when I was speaking uh, at some point just a little while ago or earlier today I don't remember anymore uh, you know this uh, tenderness 
Uh, it's one of the reasons that uh, that we give a lot of care to um, in developing helping people develop to be inside dialogue teachers in particular the you know the you know what what has been mentioned here you know Catherine Tuary the uh, the trauma that can be uh, uh, noticed not caused but uh, uh, brought forward even without a retreat container, even without the intensity of retreat, just by the, you know, the intimacy of interpersonal contact. Um, and then if there's even a small degree of mindfulness brought to it and the kind of the way that sparks up the quality of attention, it can be a delicate thing. And... Um, You know, all the questions, all the concerns, all the ideas that we were, that you were so generously offering earlier today uh, are taken to heart. They're important. One of uh, my hopes is that Dhamma can provide a reference point that is outside the uh, uh, the personal history, and that doesn't solve the you know that doesn't eliminate the uh, challenges that are offered not just by trauma, but I'm thinking even of less dramatic uh, difficulties. They're, they don't get solved, but if, when there's a, a way of understanding, uh, I have seen many times that something becomes approachable, some, some knot, some binding can become known in a different way when the Dhamma is the lens rather than, let's say, uh, 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 you know, personal memories of, uh, of difficulty and so on. Um, but it's all to be approached with, you know, respect and care. Phyllis was just noting that it's 10 to 9. And uh, so just kind of opening to say if there's someone that's, you know, got something cooking that can be brought up, uh, this would be the moment to do that. This is actually short but full, which is just... Um, you know, these things were just sort of handed out, sort of like, oh, here's some materials. But I um, am very touched by the obvious um, care and incredible amount of work. And you've just sort of handed these out. And I'm sort of like going, wow. So I just really want to, you know, I mean, we'll get to explore it and stuff like that. But still, I just wanted to note this very completely. That's that's very kind, Susie. Thank that means a lot to yeah, us. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. This, yeah. 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 Um, so I I was actually gonna say a little bit about this just as introductory, but over our time together, um, 
Over our time together, uh, you know, I think you'll get more familiar with what's in there. I don't want to try and give a whole tour. Um, more to just share the intention, uh, which is to, uh, as it says, just, you know, support you in skillfully offering practice. But also, I'll be frank and say to give you a sense of the. Uh, the depth of thought that uh, you know a, a community has been investing uh, in this uh, people who like yourself um, care deeply about the suffering in the world they care deeply they respect the Dhamma very deeply and uh, they, they offer their hearts, their time, on a, you know, on a freely offered Donna basis. Um, and um, so there's, you know, there's practical stuff in there, a lot of depth offering on the guidelines. Um, some talk about the contemplations, but some of these questions are definitely still, you know, not addressed because there's so many questions to be addressed. Um, and uh, the uh, you know the, the, this three bases stuff is is in there, and there's um, obviously we, I can't I haven't don't have the technology for you can't just double click on it and get a link you know. <laughs> However, there are a lot of links in there if you don't mind typing them in. Uh, for talks and other resources, it's it's it's, it's, a, it's a world out there. Um, so welcome, welcome to it. You know, welcome to it. You're actually the you know the first group to get it. Even even before all the other ID teachers and all the ID facilitators, because it just got made for this event. And so yeah. And it would be good to, you know, also say, this is for you guys, don't pass it along, please. Um, there were even some people who said, you know, no, this is, you know, you should really not hand this out to people who don't have a sense of responsibility about it. And I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, we are trusting that you have that sense of responsibility, obviously this afternoon's conversation was all about care, all about safety. So, may it serve. Yeah. Um, do you want to close tonight? or? I think that would be great. Yeah. Uh, the suggestion was that one of our many loving people would share merit and perhaps metta. And I don't have a sense of who. I mean, obviously, we could easily turn to Bonte, but I. Uh, <laughs> but I don't want to make any assumptions. Um, there, but there, you know. There's there's a lot there's a lot of there's a lot of beauty in this room so, uh, but it might be a a, a a a real gift if you would care to close us out for the evening, Ajahn. No obligation. <laughs> you could just say good night. <laughs> Extending the invitation in future nights as well. Mm. 
sensing internally where do I find, how do I find ground safety something I don't have to work for may I find that in this embodiment quality of restful ground sensing this breathing into this Breathing, basic rhythm of the body, drawing energy in from the ground, from safety, unforced, no deserving, not earned, given, breathing in the gift. Can I feel more of my body? Can I breathe that quality through more of my body, from my belly, my chest? The boundaries of my body. I sense the space around me, yielding, open, as I breathe in, my body swelling into the space, as I breathe out, space lightly wrapping around me, safe, my space. out can that quality extend to a space that connects us rather than divides us a space where we all breathe in and we all breathe out freely unobstructed No intrusion. Can the space around me feel free, unobstructed, non-intrusive? Can I let my heart open into that? The gift of that blessing of that can I sense the heart's need its eagerness to gently open into the space to send its love through the space into the space feeling safe loved 
Breathing it in. Breathing it out. Uplifted. Abundant. Rich. Can I meet places where there's a contraction? Tenderly. Let my heart touch them tenderly. Feel in my body let as much as they will allow touch them. Not asking them to not be there. Just to be touched, included, painful. To be included. Not dismissed, not fixed, included. Asking the pain, the contraction, to teach me. Sensitivity, respect, deep love. even bring to mind in my own time the pain the contraction defended I sense anywhere in others with breathe it touch it with mercy with respect asking it to teach me even the pain the contraction offer me maturity Transform my love to compassion and selflessness.
may all beings be free from obstruction free from intrusion may all beings find their ground their ultimate freedom may they rest in that be refreshed and regenerated from that to heal to touch and to bless So we'd like to uh, invite us into noble silence through breakfast, if that's acceptable to you. And um, if you feel a strong need to talk, maybe find a separate place to do it uh, so that it doesn't disturb others. Um, And I hope you sleep well, and I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.